Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zach's trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The NBA Draft Lottery is just hours away, but no matter where the Cavs are picking, player development is the clearest path to this team making a leap in the future. So we have a very special episode today all about that topic. Joining me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm starting to get the willies. We're getting close to, uh, to, to ping pong time. <laughs> um, you know, you try not to care cause it doesn't actually, you know, uh, our concern has little to do with the result, but that's not stopped us for the duration of our Cavs fandom. So, uh, why, 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 why get healthy now? Oh, absolutely. I, I still believe that we can will things into existence and I I'm still trying to will Sir CC to the Cavs, uh, into existence with that first overall pick. But no matter where the Cavs are picking, as I said, player development is such a big part of that. And joining us today is a very special guest, Cleveland Cavaliers shooting coach Andrew Olson. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a it's an honor to be on your show. Is it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. You know, I, when, when we get opportunities like this, you know, talk basketball, you know, what what's better? I, I couldn't agree more. And you know what? It's it's so nice to be able to get some behind the scenes information because uh, uh, from an outsider perspective, especially me l- living outside the country, so often like uh, organization is basically reduced to two people. It's usually like head coach and general manager. But one of the cool things about the pandemic was without crowds being there, you really got, got a sense of how large the coaching staffs are, how many people are involved when it comes to running a team. And with the draft lottery being so close, I, I actually would love to uh, start there and just kind of get a sense for what your involvement is, what, what the involvement is from the coaching staff when it comes to evaluating prospects. Um, in, in the past, we've had Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro that didn't necessarily have strong jump shots in college. How much consulting is there uh, with yourself and, and the rest of the coaching staff when it comes to how, what's our confidence level that we can develop a jump shot with a prospect? For sure. Yeah, no, that's a a great question. And uh, obviously something that I take pride in. Um, I will, I guess, speak on 
the coaching staff as a whole to start. But um, yeah, we, we have scouts and a great department that they're, they're doing the bulk of the work. And um, when, when it gets down to, you know, after the season and we have more time, we're asked to evaluate and, and observe the, the film and watch a lot of the, the, the players that we're looking at. Um, obviously tomorrow and everything that <laughs> unfolds will dictate probably who we look at more so than others. But um, yeah, that, that's kind of our time to, to really break down the film and give our thoughts. Uh, we talk kind of collectively as a coaching staff, and then those messages are kind of relayed up through the ranks, uh, you know, throughout the organization. And then when it comes to shooting, um, I am obviously someone that they, they ask you know, to, to break down in even more detail. And so I kind of do my own report when it comes to shooting and I have an evaluation process that I go through um, that, you know, for example, last year, I, I you know, we kind of zeroed in on X amount of players and I do my detailed analysis and I sit down with kind of the decision makers and present the information. They ask questions and um, yeah, it's, it's, a fun process to go through and something that I, you know, thoroughly enjoy. How much art is there in the science? You know, shooting is such a beautiful art, but you know, how much of these reports is here's the state of their jump shot versus here's the state of their jump shot. And here's what I think we can do with it. Right. So that's, you know, always the, the, the money question right there is, is, you know, how much can you ch quote unquote change someone? Um, and I kind of come from the school of thought that anyone can get better. And now to what degree uh, that that's where I kind of have a little formula and I dive in and kind of, you know, quote unquote nerd out. But um, I really, you know, go through a process and try to make projections. And uh, I, I feel like my you know, process and, and the things that I do with that uh, allow me to, you know, make some accurate projections. And then also, you know, to kind of tell people or at least, you know, have the foresight say, hey, this might be more of a project or take a little longer than uh, you m maybe want. But um, yeah, those are the types of things that I kind of take pride in and uh, am all, you know, constantly evaluating. How much uh, does past success factor into your evaluations? Like you guys have obviously been looking at Colin Sexton, where he was in Alabama to being a very good three-point shooter in his first year. Um, Larry Nance has made big improvements. Jetty made improvements. He, hey, even Tristan was hitting threes his last year in Cleveland. Um, does that factor into your confidence of, hey, we can take on a, a player that has a, uh, a jump shot that requires work or is it kind of a case by case basis with every player being a little unique? Yeah. The, the not so fun answer is it is case by case because everyone has their own personality, their own work ethic. And you know, I think one of the hardest things to, to really tap into as a shooter is their mental state. And mm -hmm. um, I think way too much emphasis is put on someone's shooting form I think that it is important, but if you look at, you know, the history of basketball, the form of, you know, the best shooters that have ever played this game varies from Peja Stoyakovich to Clay Thompson. Um, and so when you're evaluating it, it, you know, the, to answer your question, the ability and their past performance is usually, uh, you know, 
the, the meat mm-hmm. of everything where you're, you know, taking the, the numbers and, and you're saying, this is kind of the core at the, at the, you know, this player's level. And, you know, can we take them up, you know, 5% or 10%, you know, whatever the, the uh, numbers are, but um, free throw percentage and, and some of their past performance is usually, uh, you know, the highest correlation. With that in mind, just the the fact that there are so many different releases in the NBA, and uh, I, I have to imagine kind of consistent release point is, is one of the main things that you're looking at. But how do you decide when you get a new player in the organization whether or not you approach it as, hey, he, he's got a consistent release point, but some of the mechanics are a little off. We might need to tweak things. How, how do you make the decision between tweaks to the jump shot or a full teardown where, hey, this, this is going to be a project we, we want to revamp the jump shot because it, it's just not consistent enough that we can get it going in at a successful rate using your current form. Right. And, you know, that that's the one that as teachers, coaches, you're, you're always kind of, you know, walking that fine line of do we make the drastic changes and, and when, um, it, when it comes to someone that, you know, is struggling. But uh, the interesting uh, the interesting thing about these players is most of them are pretty successful <laughs> getting to this point. And uh, they've had a lot of success doing things their way or their, you know, the way that they've had success. And so you're always kind of walking that fine line of, Hey, you should change something that has got you to this point. Um, and so especially, that, that's... especially when I'm sure it's a little worse, right. When they start. Like exactly. It's not, it's not like they, they make the change and it's awesome forever. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so um, that's always the the fun part, right. Is navigating, you know, when or introducing them to new things to uh, at the end of the day, you're just trying to get them to buy in and um, you, the, the ones that do and embrace the, the changes uh, you know, have a lot of success. And then um, the other thing that's, very difficult in the NBA is ha- actually having all that time to, um, you know, make those changes because mm-hmm. there's so many, so many games going on and the, you, you don't have a week off, you know, during the season to make, you know, drastic changes and there's a game tomorrow night and Hey, we need to make this change, but um, you know, we have three games over the next <laughs> six days. So you got a little pressure to make those shots, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, comes with the job and, you know, you got to navigate that throughout the season, um, navigate the personality. And, uh, you know, the one thing about a lot of our guys is, you know, they're gym rats. And so they, they really enjoy being in the gym and, um, getting them to do the extra work. Uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot more difficult to do my job when guys are not in there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that seems to be, it does feel like folks are starting to trickle into the the cast facility. And I think that's the other thing people, uh, at least, you know, younger me didn't realize is that these, a lot of these players have their own coaches that they go work out with in the off season. How different right. is it when you're, when you're able to have a full off season or, you know, a couple, a month of run at the facility? Yeah, it makes a ton of difference. And I, uh, to, you know, kind of go back a few years. That was, that was what I was doing before I got this job is I was actually, I was one of those guys. I was the, you know, the, the guy that didn't work for the team, but worked for the guy. And, um, you know, that was something that I'm familiar with. And I think that as times go, 
as time goes on, like uh, we live in Cleveland, we don't live in LA, we don't live live in some of these places that guys spend their off season. So getting them in the gym, they they've been you know already in the gym this off season. But um, yeah, time it, it's a great <laughs> indicator to uh, you know produce you know production and, and performance. And so you got to put in that time and uh, having the same messages and the same coaches and, and everyone kind of relaying those messages that that factors into this. Uh, but yeah, it's like getting on the same page, you know, building a relationship if they do have other guys. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, something that that we have to, you know, constantly do. What's the biggest difference from coming going from a kind of a personal training to, you know, working within the the framework of a of a larger organization? What's the biggest change? Uh, the biggest change is just understanding, you know, that they're the, the team goals, right? And uh, if I work for the player, I don't know every decision that's kind of going on that is leading to where they get the ball or how they're playing time or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, you know, the intricacies of their offense and, and everything. So um, being within the organization, you understand all the layers that kind of uh, go into those decisions and you understand the the time and, uh, you know, when guys are tired and when they're not and, and everything. So um, yeah, you just, you, you, the picture is painted a little more clear for their uh, development. And that that's something that we're, we're constantly you know, tracking and, and, you know, monitoring is, and obviously communicating with the, the different departments is just getting on the same page and making sure that what we're doing is in the best interest of each player. Is that one of the biggest changes between working on a jump shot in the season and in the off season where during the year it's, Hey, it's a little more situational. We know how you're going to be used. So we're going to have you practicing those shots while off season is maybe more big picture tweaks and working on mechanics and things like that. Or is there a different way that you approach things uh, when you're dealing with the regular season versus the off season? Yeah, I'd say the the biggest difference is when we talked about those macro off season is um, the word I always use is awareness and um, you have more time and opportunity to make them more aware of their jumper and um, you know, the mechanics and all the, the details and the thought process. And so it's more thinking. And uh, that's usually something you don't want them doing as frequently during the season when they <laughs> need to worry about coverages and uh, you know, who they're, who they're guarding, uh, you know, night in, night out. And so I think that that's to me, the, the, always the introductory to the off season off season is um, getting them to become more aware of their shot. And uh, surprisingly, a lot of players and even myself, like someone that I, I think is very detail oriented, I, I played in, you know, overseas and, and was, you know, always thinking basketball, but as the time, uh, you know, even when I was older and stopped playing, like how much more I knew, and, and so, and you always go, Oh, if I knew this back then. Um, and so I, I think that there's always something that, you know, players can learn and dive a little deeper in with their shot. And I think the off season is a great opportunity to, to become more aware of that. So something, and I'm sorry, Justin, I could tell you're getting ready to go and I cut you right off. Don't you worry. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, I like to relate, uh, things back to my personal life cause I'm selfish and small minded. <laughs> 
And, you know, so I, uh, for the first time in my career, I've been managing people and there's a lot of coaching involved there uh, at the old day job. And something I've learned about managing and coaching is that your wins aren't as obvious as they are when you're a doer. You know, you, you know, like for you, I'm sure when you were playing overseas, you had a good game, you know, you did well. Uh, right. Whereas, whereas coaching wins are a little, you're kind of trying to figure out how much credit to take for someone. What was a, what's a, a win that you've had since joining the Cavs organization that you feel something that you feel a particular pride in? Oh, I mean, what a great question. There's a lot uh, that I remember, but I, I, I just think the first one is uh, my first year I joined the, the Cavs. Colin Sexton was a rookie and he was somebody that was regarded as coming into the league without a jump shot. And we're kind of you know, going through the whole season and all of a sudden there's this realization that he might be 40% from three point, um, from three point line. And as a, you know, shooting coach and somebody that was with him, you know, after practice and spending a lot of time with him, um, you know, that, that was just one of those moments where you're like, wow, this, you know, this is what, what I'm doing. At least it's not hurting him. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it's helping him. But, um, and, and he's, he's the type of person that he puts in the time and, and everything. And so he's easy to work with and he, he wants to do well, but that was kind of that, that first moment in the, in that season. And we were struggling as a team, but you, you take those wins and you try to find the fact that if a young player is developing and making progress and kind of doing something that people didn't really think he would do, or at least, you know, he's doing well, um, you know, that's a win. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest surprises for me. I remember that season. Like, I'm not someone that watches a lot of college. Like, I, I just don't have the time. I'm I'm fine admitting that. I usually will bring on someone that does watch a lot of college and gives us opinions. So when the Cavs drafted a guard that wasn't projected to be a good shooter, to me, like, automatically I was kind of uh, concerned about that. I, I don't really. Oh, like we were that really fit. grumpy. I yeah, think that would I, I be the better grumpy. way to frame it. I, I don't like the, the the fit of non-shooting guards in today's league. And like, I, I can even remember an example like Demar Derozan, someone that has a great work ethic but never really put it together on the outside. And I, I've been really impressed though, the last few years of the strides that this team makes during the season. Like Isaac Okoro gets better throughout the year. Garland gets better throughout the year. Sexton gets better throughout the year. Um, Larry didn't really have the chance this season because he was in and out with injuries. But given the nature of this season, with it being so weird, uh, so many games in such a short period of time, were there any creative ways that you approached working on these aspects of guys' games? Because I, I have to imagine without practice you kind of have to find other ways to make an impact. Yeah. So a couple, uh, one not so creative was just the literal, like, um, Isaac was a, a player that was in a very unique situation, uh, and kind of to answer your question in a different way, but, um, the fact that the, everything was pushed back and there was no summer league and the, you know, everything the the normal opportunity for us, and the amount of time that we get to spend with somebody uh, was just thrown out the window. And so uh, he was a, a player that, you know, came in and more defensive minded and everyone kind of, you know, saying the same things, if he could develop a jump shot and everything. So um, a lot of 
those, uh, you know, development were kind of put on hold when it came to, you know, him. And so he is, you know, a literal player and hardworking. And so with him, it was, Hey, let's just stay after let's meet later. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we have the, the gun and the, some of the shooting machines and everything. And it was, you know, him and I just working late at night. And so, um, you know, not very creative, but that's, uh, you know, he, he was young enough and had enough energy to, to come in and, and, and work. Uh, but I would say that the creative ways and uh, it is just kind of using film and breaking things down uh, instead of actually getting on the court. And I think there's so much that people can learn and become, you know, the, the word that I used prior is aware, um, you know, with the film. And, and so there's moments be before games that all have a, a clip of a guy's last, you know, 20 shots or whatever it is and sit down with them and kind of show them like, Hey, this is where we were. This is where things are going, you know, good or bad. Um, and, you know, trying to take those mental reps with them. And uh, you know, something that I enjoy doing is, is getting their input and letting them uh, discuss like what is going on. And sometimes it's a, a quick mental fix. And I think everyone's rush is always, okay, this mechanical fix, um, which is physical is going to lead to X and Y, but um, often it's just kind of a mental, mental adjustment. So I, I think it is kind of the, let's talk about Isaac part of the podcast, because obviously he brings so much to the table as a player right now, already as a defensive uh, force uh, as a as a finisher at the rim and i think everyone knows that the jumper is likely what separates him from being a pretty good player and being a really really great player what's the offseason plan for a player like that yeah so his uh approach is you know kind of one you know that shot and he made you know great strides he i would say i think you know, at one point he was 25% from three and made some strides to getting over 30%, um, you know, towards the end of the year. And so uh, progress was made. I think he has become a lot more aware of, you know, the, the mechanics of his shot and what's necessary. Um, and so those are, I think, number one for him. Uh, and then what, you know, we always try to look at the the good in everything and, and, um, you know, the end of the season was an amazing opportunity for him to get the ball in his hands and run more pick and roll and initiate some actions and, um, you know, kind of show him as an all around player. Mm -hmm. And that that's something that he's done his whole life and is, is a little more comfortable doing. And I thought it was, you know, great to just see how naturally it came to him, but now it's also get him, uh, you know, put him in the right positions, get him to understand his, his gifts and put him in, in position to, you know, use his body, um, be physical when he gets downhill. Um, and, you know, from a, a shot creation standpoint, getting him to understand what uh, are, what shots are, are possible. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, his natural ability throughout his, you know, early young career <laughs> being you know 20 years old uh was get downhill and use my body and just kind of jump and figure it out <laughs> when, <laughs> once i did that and he was he was able to do that but um 
you know, he, he showed great signs of his ability to finish. And so we're not going to want to take that away from him, but just kind of figure out the angles and the, the timing and, and the patience that he can use because he's, uh, you know, a natural playmaker and he's a willing passer. And so um, getting them to understand those offensive opportunities. One of the op- one of the ways that he kind of creates a shot when you talk about shot creation is those step back jumpers. And for whatever reason, uh, it seems like those step back three seem to go in a lot more consistently for him than kind of the, the catch and shoot opportunities. Is there something mechanical with that? Or is it the mental side that you were talking about earlier where it's just, all right, I'm going through the shot. I know it's step back jump shot. I'm I'm not thinking. I'm I'm just firing. It's not away. even just the success rate, which I'm sh- I it must be higher. It, but it's got it, like like literally like even his his entire body language because he can be kind of like a compact player physically, and it feels like everything just like unfurls when he does these step backs. Like, why do you think that is? Why do you think his level of comfort is so much better in that situation? Well, the, the simple answer is if you ask him what his move is, he says a step back. So he <laughs> <laughs> he loves his step back and uh, he is extremely confident in it. And so I, I think, like I said, the short answer is that his confidence level is just, you know, very, very high. And uh, from a, a coach's standpoint, in, in my eye, is that there's a rhythm to his shot when he's taking that. Um, whereas when he's a catch and shoot player right now, he has a couple different rhythms. Mm. Um, and, and so that step back is kind of in the flow with the dribble and the steps and the, the, the rhythm of it is just a little more fluid. And, you know, another key word in shooting is, you know, smoothness and rhythm and fluidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most really good shooters have it. So, um, yeah, I, I think just the, the flow of it, um, is a little bit more natural uh, versus that that catch and shoot right now. So when you and, see and consistent. So when you see a natural flow in situations like that, does that increase your confidence that he can translate that to other areas versus a player that might just kind of be out in the wild trying to figure out exactly what the best way to go is like there's a template there, right? That there's these situations where he is shooting naturally and does that increase your confidence that that can come in different areas? Cause I, I mean, he's another one of those guys that just has that level of a work ethic. And if, the mechanics get there and his confidence gets there and he's smoother. Like to me, it feels like another situation where we might see like Sexton like growth when it comes to his outside shooting. Yeah. I think it's, it's obviously encouraging and what you want. Um, You want to, you know, as a coach and in these situations, you're always kind of looking for those little golden nuggets and you see something and you want to run with it. Um, And so I, I think that, you use those opportunities as teaching moments to get him to, you know, create that consistency in, in all of his shots. And so, um, yeah, I think when it, when it comes to that, we're, we're extremely high on him and optimistic and, uh, especially with his work ethic and, um, yeah, but to, to the point, you know, I, I think there's, there's this component of, uh, the physical and the mental that, kind of need to come together and we're hoping that this offseason is is you know a, a huge step in that direction i think an instinct i was just thinking uh about this interview uh earlier today and i was thinking about how we're gonna have a shooting coach on and my instinct is going to be to be asked about guys who are developing their jumpers 
and because obviously that's who you're working with on the mechanics of their jumper i want to ask a question about a very 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 good shooter in darius garland um right. who can drive Cavs fans a little crazy because he doesn't pull at the rate that we want him to how what kind of conversations do you have with a player like darius who is you know definitely the purest shooter on the team uh well him or probably dylan um but like the three-point attempt rate isn't where maybe the coach... I mean, I, I think JB said it on the record multiple times. Like, hey, we got to shoot more threes. Like, what kind of talks do you have with a player like that? Yeah, it's it comes with the job, right? Is is in all ways, shapes, or form. Like, uh, you know, my running joke with my job is there's always going to be a job because until, you know, who knows when there's not gonna be a perfect shooter. So everyone can get better. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the best shooters in the world getting, you know, shooting 40%, uh, you know, and there's a reason Steph still gets up like 10,000 threes a day. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't like, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so, you know, there's always ways to get better. And so with some of that, it comes more naturally to Darius, um, you know, we have those conversations and it becomes showing them the film, uh, com- you know, showing them the numbers and, and showing him, uh, you know, that it's not your form. It's not anything. It's, it's the decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows very well that a lot of people have sat down and, and ha- had that conversation, uh, you know, with him. And, and so, that's, you know, part of our job is to shot selection. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that becomes one of those things where it's, it's, it's mental, right? Um, it, your form can change in certain situations, but uh, for the most part, if you take better shots, you're probably going to make more shots and that all factors into your percentage. Um, and, you know, the, the, I guess, part of the lingo that we, we've talked with him is that he needs to be comfortable not shooting a certain percentage like mm. if you know creating that mindset where if he looks at at the stat sheet that you know early on not necessarily looking at the the percentage but the the field goal attempts and getting that ratio uh to be you know more on par with you know some of the guys that are, are at the same position as him yeah the interesting, the, oh, the, the, yeah the, the interesting thing with garland too is when he was taking more shots, like in April, where you really kind of saw him blossom, where he, he's getting like 21 points a game, seven and a half assists. When he's more aggressive and he's taking those shots, it's creating opportunities for other people. And that that was one of the really encouraging things that I saw with Garland. But it, it is going to be interesting to see how he kind of navigates that, right? Because it, it's such a, a demanding position when you are a point guard where you are you got all this responsibility to make sure that everyone else is going. And it really seemed like with the, the Cavs this season, even though you have good shooters like Garland and Sexton, a lot of this seems to be fighting those natural tendencies. Like Garland loves to get into the lane and create shots for other people. Sexton's so gifted as a slasher that sometimes the three-point shot won't, uh, won't be there, right? And and the, the other factor, of course, was just the scheduling. Like it, when it was the third game in four nights or the, the second set of third game in four nights, you could always tell that the, the three-point shots weren't really going to be there. The team wasn't going to get them up because it tired legs. Right. Yeah, no, it's th- this past season was uh, very, 
very tough on, on our players and, you know, <laughs> with all the injuries, it, we, we don't need to go into depth about that, but uh, yeah, no, to, to your point, it is fighting a lot of, you know, what comes natural to them mm-hmm. and you, you can scale it back even further, just the, the amount of success that these guys had at the lower levels and the emphasis on, you know, just, you know, scoring versus, taking specific shots or, or whatever it was. And, and you don't have access to the, the numbers and the analytics and everything. And so, um, you know, the, their maturity and experience as players, it, it, it's growing and it takes years. It takes um, them to understand that defenses are playing you a certain way to probably make you take a certain shot. And mm-hmm. the one that's open is probably the one that they want you to take. <laughs> one, one, and, of, one of our, uh, one of our, one of my favorite tweets I saw all year. Uh, it was a, a bit of a cynical tweet, but it was you know, uh, it was midseason during one of those doldrums. And it was like down double digits, time to take some runners, you know, because <laughs> like that is kind of their default. Those are the shots that they were getting, and I do feel like that's one of the things that, as as fans who don't have the visibility uh, into what's going on in practice and what's going on in film sessions, is the on the record stuff from the coaching staff and from the players is the stuff that we want to hear, which is we know we got to shoot more threes. We know we have to break from our natural tendencies, even if some of those tendencies are what make these players great. And that's what I feel like is such an interesting challenge. Like on the Darius front as him being such a willing passer and prober is what makes him raise the ceiling of the offense. And you're kind of saying yes but also shoot more threes <laughs> and it's it's got to be a, an interesting challenge to like know how hard you can push him that without kind of neutering what makes him such a special playmaker for sure yeah it's uh it's that you know that push pull that that constant struggle of getting them to develop also doing what's best for the team and, and everything and so uh you know th- those are conversations we we have you know frequently and to your point earlier that seeing them make progress. And I thought Darius made a lot of progress this season and showed a lot of signs of growth. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's where my job kind of factors in and the player development staff and and the things that we're doing uh, as a coaching staff as a whole is just get these players better. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's our job. Do you change your approach when you're dealing with a young player versus a veteran? Like if they trade for someone that's been in the league uh, for an extended period of time and, and has experience, do, do you change how you approach someone that's been in the league that has that track record? Or is it more about the, the personality of how receptive they are to certain types of coaching that dictates how you handle uh, developing a jump shot? Yes. I've, again, the, the boring answer, but it's, it's true. Is It's just like, it varies on everyone's personality. So it's not a quote unquote blue book or, or I'm sorry, blueprint for, um, you know, a rookie versus a, a eight year vet. It's their personality. It's their work ethic. Um, and you know, the, the main thing is the buy-in and how, how can you get them to, to buy in to their own growth and also that growth benefiting the team. And uh, that's what we're always trying to do is, is find a way to you know, navigate their personality and uh, mesh with them and, and get them to, to you know, want to buy in. 
I know we we probably got to let you go pretty soon, but one player I did want to ask about because he's an interesting case uh, in terms of a player that appears to have some pretty good touch on his mid-range jumpers, um, uh, you know, a touch around the rim, but, uh, you know, isn't a three-point shooter really at all at this point in his career, and that's Jared Allen. Is that someone that you're pushing his range out regularly? Is that is that part of the team's plans? Yeah, so back to last year and the fact, you know, we were talking about Isaac and him coming in late and the opportunity to really assess, analyze, and kind of create a plan was limited. Mm-hmm. And then that's even expedited when we trade for somebody <laughs> and they, they come in mid season and uh, you're just trying to kind of piece them in. And so the, the development with a, a guy like him, where adding that, that three to his game is, is going to be, you know, take time and, and everything. So that, that me personally uh, wasn't on the, the high priority to do list last season, but uh, you know, moving forward, uh, those are things that we talk about all the time and uh, having him in Cleveland, you know, this off season is, is going to allow me the opportunity to, to sit down and uh, go through the whole process with him. Yeah. It's really nice to see that those guys are back in market frequently. They're, they're already working on their games where after how difficult the season was, you'd think most people would just kind of want to decompress for a month or two and, and enjoy that time off. How often is it, you approaching a player about tweaks and adjustments versus uh, the, the player coming to you saying, hey, this is a goal that I have personally on, on what to work with with my game. Uh, how, how can I get there? Yeah. Yeah. To answer that question, there, there's kind of like three avenues. And one is the me going to them and, and approaching them. The other one is that, like you just said, that they might come up and ask questions, which happens you know a little less frequently because back to my earlier point like a lot of these guys just they've had success or they've done something a a certain way and they've you know if they they struggled at some point and went through a slump they they've bounced back and they you know revert back to something but um and then the other way that we uh, do is you know i will talk to the you know certain coaches work with certain guys more frequently. And so I'm kind of like the, the middleman and I'm, I'm giving them my assessment because uh, at the end of the day, like, even if I don't, you know, work with a, a Jared Allen day to day in day out, um, I am analyzing every single shot that the, every you know player takes and every shot that they take during the season. And so um, I have information, I do my own work and I pass along that information to the coaching staff. And so it's that, that constant, how do we make these guys better? And so even if I'm physically not the one out there instructing or doing anything, I, I try to have an impact and uh, help, you know, expedite their, their growth. And, you know, I try to do that with, um, you know, the information that I, I break down every, every day. Is, uh, uh, to take it in a different direction, is Colin Sexton as hard of a worker as people say he is? <laughs> like, do you have any, do you have any good Colin Sexton as a maniac stories? So the, yes, to, the short answer is yes. He loves, loves, loves to be in the gym. Um, I right off the top of, in, 
I, I think this is a good thing. And this might answer the question even better, but it's like, there's not one thing that sticks out necessarily because he does it all the time. Mm. And, uh, and so he's, he is that guy that, you know, wants to get more shots up. He wants to, um, you know, stay longer. And, and I think, you know, the, the most amazing thing for him when it comes to the work and, and we always look at these things as the literal on the court time, but what he has done and, and people talk about all the time, I'm still, you know, been in the league, you know, a few years, but not as long as some other people, but they just talk about from the beginning, how much he uh, dedicated to off the, off the court and taking care of his body. Mm-hmm. And so that the amount of time that he, he does that, you know, with that, it, to me, that's hard work, you know, getting in the tub all the time, um, doing the rehab work and, and everything. So, um, yeah, the, the stories are true. He, he is a gym rat. He, he loves being <laughs> around and in the gym, whether or not it's on the court, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, to, and I, I guess the, the short story, the most recent one was when he came back to Cleveland, um, he actually had taken time off and everyone that, that knows him, had to ask him multiple times. They said, did you really, you know, take, take a, you know, th- this much time off. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I did it. And, and so, uh, I think he's, he's starting to understand, you know, how his body works and the, how the season works. But, um, yeah, we, we had to get verification and confirmation that he wasn't working, you know, the, the day after the season. <laughs> <laughs> who's a, who's a player that, you know, cause Colin does eat a lot of the press on the hardworking player circuit. Uh, who's a player who, uh, really impresses you with their work ethic, uh, that maybe fans don't know about. Yeah. So like you said, I, I don't know if, if Isaac's built up that reputation yet, but he, uh, you know, from the, the second we drafted him, we were very confident that he would be a gym rat. And so he, he definitely fits the bill. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, a lot of these guys, it's always funny too the, the, to answer your earlier question with the rookie and the veterans where, um, some of these guys, once, once they have a few years under the belt, they're not, their work ethic doesn't necessarily get worse. It just changes. It alters. And so you see some of these guys like, uh, you know, Kevin love that when he, is coming back from these injuries and, and he, you know, normally would have all this time on the court, but he can't necessarily be on the court, but you just see his dedication in the, in the weight room and in the rehab. And, uh, you know, he's on the side, uh, push himself on the bike, hook up to these, you know, hooked up to these machines and sweating. And you're like, man, this guy's going hard, but, um, he really enjoys, you know, those types of things and, and puts, you know, forth that that physical effort and um yeah it just it just changes with time with the the new guys and the veterans and kind of where they shift and allocate their time yeah it's really interesting to see what guys prioritize where they want to kind of channel their efforts and energy and i, I have to imagine as you get older and there's more bumps and bruises you, you have to adjust right like you have to kind of pick your spots um we, we talked about darius's shot selection and that kind of being the key to him uh, getting more three-point shots up. Do, do you feel it's the same situation with Sexton? Because when I, I look at Colin Sexton, his raw production is, is exceptional. Like at, at age 22, it's right up there with guys like Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. Um, but the biggest gap uh, between him and those players that maybe get a little more natural attention is the change or the difference in the three-point rate. And 
uh, to me, one of the things that kind of stands out is those pull-up jumpers where he, he doesn't kind of create those as much. Uh, I, I think he was about 31% on, on pull-up threes, which is lower than all other situations. Is that a mentality thing where he just needs to get comfortable with those shots? Is that something mechanical? How, how does Sexton, in your eyes, take that next step and become a little more dynamic from the outside? Yeah. Um, so I, I think going back to his rookie season, uh, myself and another staff member, we you know spent a lot of time with him. And his, like the amount of, if you go back, to early, early, you know, rookie season, just the amount of t- uh, mid-range jumpers he did take. And so that was uh, a, a work in itself just to get him to start taking threes because <laughs> he he would not even take them. And, uh, you know, I forget the exact ratio, but it was almost like a, you know, four to one ratio of, of mid-range two to four mid-range twos to, to one three. And then that was like one of those, uh, achievements early on where we, we got that to, you know, almost shift and, and it got to, you know, be like two to one or, or something threes. And, and that was in that first year. And that was also, you realize how long a season is because you can make those types of changes and, and, and everything. So um, yeah, I think that was big from a mindset standpoint is just to get him to take threes and mm-hmm. the success, the success that he had, you know, shooting that 40% uh, gave him the confidence that, okay, uh, you know, I can shoot at this level and then it became the volume. Um, but I think something, you know, to kind of, you know, pivot just a little bit, but like something that he's done a great job and improved is, is getting to the line. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we look at great scores and, and they are, you know, the, the, the Dame, the Steph, the, you know, these guys that are, uh, you know, co- consistently in the top 10 in scoring and, and point guards, um, and are at that size, you, uh, you know, see them shoot threes, but you also see them get to the line and every great score, uh, you know, going, dating back to the, the mellows, the, the Kobe Jordan, like all those guys, um, they got to the line a ton. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that that's been something that he has added to his game, uh, embraced, started to understand that, uh, the nuances of, you know, we, we watched the playoffs and you know they're talking about rule changes with guys that are with the sweep and all these things that are, are going on. But um, yeah, he, I think he, he's starting to, to embrace all levels of, of the game, but of course, you know, the volume of the threes and embracing, you know, even uh, you know, maybe a step back or increasing that range uh, will allow him to utilize that speed uh, that he has to get downhill and get to the rim. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, slightly speeding up his shot in, in the range are something, some of the things that we're kind of focusing on with him. Well, I mean, that, that's really interesting. And to, to me, it's just so nice to put a face and a name to the, the improvements that get us so excited. Like when we talk to uh, our fans in the discord and people on Twitter and whatnot, the, the one thing that is kind of unanimous is people are impressed with the, the Cavs player development that uh, these guys keep getting better. And no matter where they've picked, 
they've turned into really good players like Isaac Okoro impress uh, all rookie team. Darius Garland's made leaps. Colin Sexton continues to improve both as a scorer and a playmaker and a defender. Like it, it really, really is impressive. So I want to thank you so much, Andrew, for uh, coming on the podcast. And uh, as I said, putting a, a, a name and a face to the uh, development that we've been seeing. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, as you said, you know, one of your first comments, the, uh, how large some of these organizations. And so, yes, I, I am one of the faces uh, that we do have a team. We have, uh, you know, a group of guys that put a ton of time and work and effort um, to, to making all this happen. And so, um, yeah, we're excited to show up to every day and, and work with these guys and them getting better, even, even better. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. And I want to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. If you are listening via podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs. <laughs>